Chapter forty eight of Gretchen by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty eight What they were doing and had done in Shannondale. If the earth had opened suddenly and swallowed up half the inhabitants of Shannondale, the other half could not have been more astonished than they were at the news which Peterkin was the first to tell them, and which he had risen very early to do before some one else should be before him irascible and quick-tempered as he was he was easily appeased and the fact that jerry was arthur tracy's daughter changed his opinion of her at once the biggest heiress in the county except my Aunt liza and by gum i'm glad on for her and arthur i allus said she was his'n and by george to think i helped her into her fortune for if i hadn't up knocked that rotten old table down she'd have never found them memoirs he said to the first person to whom he communicated the news and then hurried off to enlighten others until everybody knew and was discussing the strange story before noon scores of people had found it in their way to walk past the cottage hoping to catch sight of jerry while a few went in to tell her how glad they were for her and mr arthur but jerry was in her room too sick and tired to see them and they could only question mrs crawford who was herself half crazed when mrs crawford heard the story jerry told her after her return from the park-house she had been for a few moments stupefied with amazement and had sat motionless until she heard jerry say to her dear grandma i told you your working days were over and they are for what is mine is yours and harold's and my home is your home always so long as you live then the poor old lady put her head upon jerry's arm and cried hysterically for a moment then she rallied and kissed the young girl who had been so much to her and whom for a brief moment she feared she might have lost for a long time they talked of the past and the future and of harold who was in tacoma where he might have to remain for three or four weeks longer he had written several times to his grandmother and once to jerry but had made no mention of the diamonds while in her letters to him mrs crawford had refrained from telling him what some of the people were saying and the construction they were putting upon his absence jerry had not yet written to him but i shall to-morrow she said and tell him to come home for i need him now if ever jerry was very tired when she went at last to bed but the dreamless sleep which came upon her and which lasted until a late hour in the morning did her good and probably saved her from a relapse which might have proved fatal still she was very weak and too sick to go downstairs for the excitement of the previous night was telling upon her and when tom came asking to see her she received him in her room he had been up since sunrise strolling through the park with a troubled look on his face for he was extremely sorry for himself though very glad for jerry whose sworn ally he was and would be to the end in a way he had tried to comfort his mother by telling her that neither his uncle or jerry would be unjust to her if she'd only behave herself and treat the latter as she ought and not keep up such a high and mighty and injured air as if jerry had done something wrong in finding out who she was but dolly would not be comforted and her face wore a sullen defiant expression as she moved about the house where she had queened it so long that she really looked upon it as her own resenting bitterly the thought that another was to be mistress there she had talked with her husband and made him tell her exactly how much he was worth in his own right and when he told her how little it was she had exclaimed angrily we are beggars and may as well go back to langley and sell codfish again she had seen tom that morning and went to her question why are you up so early he replied to attend to jerry's affairs she tossed her head scornfully and said before i'd crawl after any girl much less jerry crawford 
you'd better be attending to your own sister she's worse this morning and looks as if she might die at any minute then tom went to maud who since the shock of the night before had lain as if she were dead except for her eyes in which there was a new and wondrous light and which looked up lovingly at tom as he came in and kissed her a most unusual thing for him to do dear tom she whispered come closer to me and as he bent down to her she continued is everything jerry's yes or will be she is uncle arthur's daughter shall we be very poor yes poor as a church mouse then there was a pause and when maud spoke again she said slowly for me no matter sorry for you and father and mother but glad for jerry stand by her tom tell mother not to be so bitter it hurts me tell harold when he comes i meant to do so much for him but jerry will do it instead tell her i must see her and send for uncle arthur there was a lump in tom's throat as he left his sister's room and going to the village telegraphed to his uncle's headquarters at the palace hotel in san francisco at least a hundred people stopped him on his way to the office asking if what they heard was true and to all he replied true as the gospel we are floored as peterkin would say and then he hurried to the cottage to see jerry and tell her of the message sent to arthur though not how it was worded after a moment he continued hesitatingly as if half ashamed of it i called at lubertu last night to inquire after ann eliza's foot and you ought to have seen peterkin when i told him the news at first he could not find any word in his vocabulary big enough to swear by but after a while one came to him and what do you think it was jerry could not guess and tom continued he said by the great peterkin and then he swowed and vowed and snummed and bummed and dummed and finally said he was glad of it and had always known you were a tracy ann eliza was so glad she cried and i think billy cried too for he left the room suddenly with very suspicious-looking eyes why everybody is glad for you jerry and nobody seems to think how mean it is for us but i'm not going to whine i'm glad it's you and so is maud and she wants to see you i believe she's going to die and-and-jerry something choked tom for a moment and then he went on if uncle arthur should get high and order us out at once as father seems to think he will you'll-you'll let us stay while maud lives won't you tom jerry said reproachfully what do you take me for and why does your father think his brother will order him out i don't know tom replied but he seems awfully afraid to meet him mother says he was up all night walking the floor and talking to himself and yet he says he is glad and he is coming this morning to see you and talk it over i believe i hear him now speaking to mrs crawford yes tis he so i guess i'll go and when i hear from my telegram i'll let you know good-bye a moment after tom left the room his father entered it looking haggard and old and frightened too it seemed to jerry as she met him with a cheery good morning uncle frank it was the first time she had addressed him by that name and her smile was so bright and her manner so cordial that for an instant the cloud lifted from his face but soon came back darker than ever as he declined the seat she offered him and stood trembling before her frank had not slept the previous night but had walked his room until his wife said to him angrily i thought you were glad seems to me you don't act like it but for pity's sake stop walking or go somewhere else to do it and not keep me awake 
then he went into the hall outside and there he walked the livelong night trying to think what he should say to jerry and wondering what she would say to him for he meant to tell her everything nothing could prevent his doing that and as soon as he thought she would see him he started for the cottage taking with him the bible the photograph and the letter he had secreted so long all the way there he was repeating to himself the form of speech with which he should commence but when jerry said to him so graciously good morning uncle frank the words left him and he began impetuously don't call me uncle don't speak to me jerry until you have heard what i have come to confess on my knees with my white head upon the floor if you will it so and that would not half express the shame and remorse with which i stand before you and tell you i am a cheat a liar a villain and i have been since the day when i first saw you and that dead woman we thought your mother jerry was dumb with surprise and did not speak or move as he went on rapidly telling her the whole with no attempt at an excuse for himself except so far as to repeat what he had done in a business point of view making provision for her in case of his death and enjoining it upon his children to see that his wishes were carried out here is the bible he said laying the book in her lap here is the photograph and here the letter which you gave me to post and which had it been sent might have cleared the mystery sooner he had made his confession and he stood before her with clasped hands and an expression upon his face such as a criminal might wear when awaiting the jury's decision but jerry neither looked at him nor spoke for through a rain of tears she was gazing upon the sweet face sadder and thinner than the face of gretchen in the window but so like it that there could be no mistaking it and so like to the face which had haunted her so often and seemed so near to her mother mother i remember you as you are here sick and sorry but oh so lovely she said as she pressed her lips again and again to the picture with no thought or care for the wretched man who had come a step nearer to her and who said at last will you never speak to me jerry never tell me how much you despise me then she looked up at the face quivering with anguish and entreaty and the sight melted her at once indeed as he had talked she had scarcely felt any resentment toward him for she was sure that though his error had been great his contrition and remorse had been greater and she thought of him only as maud's father and the man who had always been kind to her and she made him believe at last that she forgave him for maud's sake if not for his own had my life been a wretched one because of your conduct she said i might have found it harder to forgive you but it has not i have not been the daughter of tracy park it is true but i have been the petted child of the cottage and i would rather have lived with harold in poverty all these years than to have been rich without him and do you know i think it was noble in you to tell me when you might have kept it to yourself no no i couldn't have done that much longer he exclaimed energetically as he began to walk up and down the room i could not bear it in the shadow which for years has been with me night and day counselling me for bad was growing so black and huge and unendurable that i must have confessed or died but it is gone now or will be when i have told my brother told your brother you don't mean to do that jerry exclaimed but i do mean to do it frank replied as a part of my punishment and he will not forgive as you have done he will turn me out at once as he ought to jerry thought this very likely and with all her powers she strove to dissuade frank from making a confession which could do no possible good and might result in untold harm remember maud she said and the effect this thing would have upon her if your brother should resort to immediate and violent means as he might in his first frenzy but i mean to tell maud too 
frank replied then jerry looked upon him as madder than arthur himself and talked so rapidly and argued so well that he consented at last to keep his own counsel for the present at least unless the shadow still haunted him in which case he must tell as an act of contrition or penance he will think the photograph came with the other papers in the bag jerry said as she again kissed the sweet face which looked so much like life that it was hard to think there was not real love and tenderness in the eyes which looked into hers so steadfastly it was the hardest to forgive the letter hidden so long and jerry did feel a pang of resentment or something like it as she took it in her hand and thought of the day when arthur had confided it to her saying he could trust her when he could not another and she had trusted frank who had not been true to her trust and here after the lapse of years was the letter with its singular superscription covering the whole side and its seal unbroken but she would break it now she surely might do that if arthur was never to see it and after a moment's hesitancy she opened it and read first wild crazy sentences full of love and tenderness for the little gretchen to whom they were addressed and whom the writer sometimes spoke to as living and again as dead there was a strong desire expressed to see her a wish for her to come and get her diamonds before they were taken from her a second time here jerry started with an exclamation of surprise and involuntarily read aloud the most exquisite diamonds you ever saw and i long to see them on you they are safe too from her mrs frank tracy who had the boldness to flaunt them in my face at a party the other night how she came by them i can't guess but i know how she lost them i found them on her dressing-table when she left them when she went to breakfast and took possession at once that was no theft for they are mine or rather yours and are waiting for you in my private drawer where no one has ever looked except a young girl called jerry who interests me greatly she is so much like what you must have been when a child there has been some trouble about the diamonds i hardly know what my head is in such a buzzing most of the time that everything goes from me but you oh if i had remembered you years ago as i do now jerry could read no further for the letter dropped from her hands as she cried joyfully i knew he had them i was sure of it though i did not know where they were then very briefly she explained to frank that on the morning when the diamonds were missed arthur was so excited because harold had been in a way accused that he had rambled off into german and said things which made her think he had taken them himself and secreted them you remember my sickness she said and how strangely i talked of going to prison as an accessory or a substitute well it was for your brother i was ready to go and when he told me as he did one day that he knew nothing of the diamonds i was never more astonished in my life but afterwards as i grew older i believed that he had forgotten them as he did other things and that some time he would remember and make restitution i am glad we know where they are but we cannot get them until he returns when do you think that will be frank did not know it would depend he said upon whether he was in san francisco when tom's telegram was received if he were and started at once travelling day and night he would be home in a week it seemed a long time to wait in jerry's state of mind and very very short to the repentant man who shrank from his brother's return as from an impending evil although it was a relief to think that he need not tell him what a hypocrite he had been thank you jerry he said at last as he arose to go thank you for being so kind to me i did not deserve it i did not expect it heaven bless you i am glad for you and so is maud oh jerry heaven is dealing hard with me to take her from me and yet it is just i sinned for her 
send to see her in the place i was sure was yours for i knew you were arthur's child and i meant to go to germany some day when i had the language a little better and clear it up and then i had promised myself to tell you will you say again that you forgive me before i go back to maud he was standing before her with his white head dropped upon his hat the very picture of misery and remorse and jerry laid her hand upon his head and said i do forgive you uncle frank fully and freely for maud's sake if for no other and if she lives what is mine shall be hers tell her so and tell her i am coming to see her as soon as i am able i am so tired and sick to-day and everything is so strange oh if harold were here jerry was indeed so tired and exhausted that for the remainder of the day she saw no one but judge st clair and tom both of whom came up together the latter bringing the answer to his telegram and asking what to do next why tom jerry said as she read arthur's reply pay him then for i shan't come what does he mean what did you say to him and whom are you to pay with a half comical smile tom replied i told him the old nick was to pay though i'm afraid i used a stronger name for his satanic majesty than that i guess you'll have to try what you can do and so jerry's message i need you went across the continent and brought the ready response coming on the wings of the wind it was judge st clair who wrote to harold for jerry who said tell him everything and how much i want him here and tell him too of maud whose life hangs on a thread that may bring him sooner it was three days before jerry was able to go to the park house and then tom came for her saying maud was failing very fast the news which had come upon her so suddenly with regard to jerry's birth and the suspicions resting upon harold shortened the life nearing its close and the moment jerry entered the room she knew the worst and with a storm of sobs and tears knelt by the sick girl's couch and cried oh i can't bear it i'd give up everything to save you oh maud you don't know how much i love you maud was very calm though her lips quivered a little and the tears filled her eyes as she put her hand in jerry's a great change had come over maud since the night when she heard jerry's story a change for the better some might have thought although the physician who attended her gave no hope she neither coughed nor suffered pain and could talk all she liked although often in a whisper she was so very weak yes jerry she said i know you love me and it makes me very glad and dying seems easier for i know you will be cared for once when i first thought i must die i wrote something on paper for father and uncle arthur to see when i was dead and it was that they should take you in my place you and harold maud's voice shook a little here but she soon steadied it and went on i wanted them to give you what i thought would be mine had i lived and what all the time was yours oh jerry how can you help hating me who have stood so long where you ought to have stood and enjoyed what you ought to have enjoyed maud jerry cried don't talk like that as if i or any one could ever have hated you why i worshipped you as some little empress when i used to see you in your bright sashes and yellow kid boots with the amber beads around your neck and if the contrast between your finery and my high-necked gingham apron and white sun bonnet sometimes struck me painfully i had no wish to take the boots and sashes from you whom they fitted so admirably and as we grew older and you did not shrink from or slight jerry crawford i cannot tell you how great was the love which grew in my heart for you the dearest girlfriend i ever had and a thousand times dearer now i know you are my cousin maud was silent for a moment and then she asked abruptly 
jerry why did you never fall in love with harold oh maud and jerry started as if maud had struck her while the tell-tale blood rushed to her face and into her eyes there came a look which even maud could understand jerry she exclaimed forgive me i didn't know i never guessed i was so stupid but i have been thinking so much since harold went away does he know about you who you are i mean and how long before he will come home judge st clair wrote him everything three days ago jerry replied and told him how sick you were that will surely bring him at once if it is possible for him to leave but it will be three or four days now before the letter will reach him and it will take a week for him to come would you like to see him very much yes maud answered but i never shall jerry did harold ever did he does he love you he never told me so jerry said frankly but i thought that he loved you N no maud answered piteously it was all a mistake and when i am dead and harold comes promise to tell him something from me will you yes jerry replied and maud continued tell him the very first time you and he are alone together and speak of me that i have been thinking and thinking until it came to me clear as day that it was all a mistake a stupid blunder on my part i was always stupid you know but i believe my brain is clearer now will you tell him jerry mistake about what jerry asked with a vague apprehension that the task imposed upon her might not be a pleasant one if she knew all it involved harold will tell you what maud answered he will understand what i mean but i shall not be here when he comes i am sure of it i hope to live till uncle arthur comes for i must see him and ask him not to be too hard on poor father and tell him i am sorry that i have been so long in the place where you should have been you will stay here and be with me to the last i want you to hold my hand when i say good-bye for ever you are so strong that i shall not be afraid with you to see and hear as long as i hear and see anything and are you afraid jerry asked and maud replied of the death struggle yes but not what lies beyond where he is the saviour for i know i am going to him and when they think me asleep i am often praying silently for more faith and love and for you all that you may one day come where i soon shall be heaven is very very beautiful for i have seen it in my dreams a material heaven some would say for there are trees and flowers and grass and on a golden bench beneath a tree whose leaves are like emeralds and whose blossoms are like pearls i am sitting on the bank of a shining river resting and waiting as little pilgrim waited for the coming of the master and for you all maud was very tired and her voice was so low that jerry could scarcely hear it while the eyelids drooped heavily and in a few moments she fell asleep with a rapt look on her face as if she were already resting on the golden seat beneath the tree whose leaves were emeralds and whose blossoms were like pearls that night jerry wrote as follows dear harold maud is very low and unless you come soon you will never see her again the judge has written you of me but i must tell you myself that nothing can ever change me from the jerry of old and the fact which makes me the happiest is that now i can help you who have been so kind to me how i long to see you and talk it all over we expect mr arthur in a few days i cannot call him father yet until he has himself given me the right to do so by calling me daughter first but to myself i am calling gretchen mother all the time my darling little mother 
oh harold you must come home and share my happiness which will not be complete till you are here jerry during the next few days jerry stayed with maud waiting anxiously for tidings from arthur until one lovely september morning a telegram was brought to frank from charles which said they would be home that afternoon End of chapter forty eight